a, a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with, I would say, the most hectic group of guests, Track Club. Uh, let, me, let me break that down for you. We've got, we've got some individuals here. We've got you know, a high school that may have run the fastest 1,500 meter in, in high school ever and in college ever without even turning up for freshman orientation. We have the longest man in track and field. A man who's ready to crush the U.S. Mason, the longer. To the yeah. domination, oh, to continue his domination that he saw at Michigan. And then now for the, for the Tracksmith crew, he may be the most decorated man on this call. However, we haven't, uh, we haven't had, had a high schooler at the Olympics this year yet. So we'll just see. But to kind of pull that together, we have their Yoda, a man that is coached Olympic medalist by the science of donuts and chocolate milk, is, of course, the very nice track club. So, Hobbs, I want to know, first of all, what's it like to have all your parents around you today? <laughs> they, they, I bet they're listening from the porch as we speak. Here's <laughs> the door, so I better watch my mouth. <laughs> so have all of your media requests come with like a plus five or plus six? You know, you just bring in the squad along. Well, I, I was like, can I bring Ron? And Dave was like, bring whoever you'd like. And I, I took that to heart. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I guess I need to choose my words wisely with you. I, I think that was more like a, yeah, I guess so. Bring whoever you want. Um, but here we are now with a good handful of people. But, you know, this is going to be a great episode. Um, originally, we slated this to be our season finale. Um, but I think coming up uh, next week, Josh and I will lay down another episode for you guys, which will be me, Josh, and our girlfriends. So let's hope that this is a good segue to that. And we can, you know, build the romance um, and the communication between this this wide group of ages and experience and ability. So we're just going to kind of go back and forth through like a, a Q&A. We'll go through with Hobbs, Mason, Ron, and Nick. We'll, we'll throw some stuff at you. And so for Hobbs, um, kind of wanted to break down the first question. And for you, that's like we wanted to know about the mentality going into this race. You know, when you heard the pace, do you ever think, huh, this is pretty fast. Maybe I should jump in section two because, you know, even though you were going after that record, if you were, um, that that second heat still was very close to nabbing that time. If not, they did. So let's talk about that Portland Track Festival race as you geared up to running faster than Josh ever did in college. Um, yeah, so I raced a pro race in, in last month in April uh, at Hayward Field, and I, I expected to be dead last, DFL, um, and I wasn't. So that was kind of like a light bulb went off. It was like, I'm 18, like that's – legally an adult like I can hang with the big boys uh so I I was like when Ron said like I got you in the past yeah I got you in the past yeah I was like like let's mess some people up in here uh like I, I felt like I belonged so uh it it I wasn't too intimidated and I like I like kind of riding the wave of the race uh and I think if I was in a 337 race I would have run 337 it was just since it was a fast race that I kind of got um, pulled along and so if it was a 331 race, would you be a 331 guy right now? Who knows? Really? You'll you'll learn you'll learn quickly that you know you have to wait for for some pros to heat the heat the track up first and then you, you you'll feel the water right and then realize it's fast enough for, for us guys to race. But so I think so you're ranked currently in the US, you're ranked third in the fifteen hundred in twenty twenty. How does that how does that make you feel kind of going into the trials? Um, well, I'm, I'm like to the point, like I have the Olympic standard and we're going to be at the trials. So might as well like have a go at making the team since, uh, why not? You know I mean? Why not? I'm there. You've got a bit of time on your hands, I guess. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in a really good, like privileged spot where like, I feel like everyone else with the standard is like, has like really heavy expectations of making the team. And I'm just kind of there giving it a Hail Mary. So there's no real losing. So it's a pretty cool position to be in that I don't know how many people have been in that spot before. So I'm, if you I'm make excited. it, will you even go or will you call it a season? Cause it'll be a long year going all the way to August. <laughs> I think I'll go. <laughs> so, so I want to, I want to know more about this track club. So Nick, what, 
how is this kind of coming to fruition? Like with the help of Tracksmith, like how, what does that look like uh, on a, on a day to day with you guys? How did, how did Tracksmith help you guys out? Like, how did this all kind of come together? This is like the fourth iteration of very nice track club. It really started off when Ron retired and we recruited a few of the top guys coming out of college, your alma mater, um, New Mexico, where Leah Manuel, Brandon Bethke and Will Lear were sort of the, the main contenders of that group. And we did our thing and we, we trained and traveled around the world. And then those guys sort of moved on to different things. And then as guys have graduated from college from Michigan and look for people to train with, Ron's always been around. He's at the track every day at 9 a.m. with donuts and chocolate milk. And there's always a posse around Ron. He's a magnet. He's got this charisma, this personality that draws you to it. And um, yeah, and then it's just slowly evolved into this current group that we have. So, and it will continue to happen. So long as Ron's down at the track, there will always be people um, that are a part of this sort of, it's not any formalized group. There's no formalized organization or any structure. It's just whoever's there down at the day, we make collective decisions and Ron just goes along with whatever we ask to do. And he, he gives us some coaching, but um, he doesn't necessarily make like, or run the show. We all just collectively do it as a, as a, as a random assortment of group. I'd say my three-year-old son is as much of the group as these guys here, as well as David Cohen, who's a 77 year old marathon runner. It's just an eclectic group of random people who enjoy being down at the track and eating donuts. Um, that's great. And, and the cool thing about it too, is every time that I see very nice track club, I feel like everyone that I see is very nice. You know, it's not one of those names where it's like Brooks beasts and only Josh and I are the ones that really fit that physical representation. You know, when we see the very nice track club, we see very nice looking people, very nice people in general. So, um, we're going to keep the rotation alive and we're going to go to you, Mason. And funny enough, Mason, you and your, um, steeplechase final when you were a senior at Michigan was my favorite collegiate race I ever watched. I always went to the division one championships. Um, because you know, division two weren't, weren't welcome there, not to race. I never went there to race. Um, and so watching you literally break the field and run away with it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, you know, Josh, I don't know if you've ever seen that race, but that's something yeah. that you would certainly appreciate. Um, especially with all the things that you've, you've accomplished, accomplished thereafter. So Mason admirable, deserved and well executed. Now that you're on a tear once again in the steeplechase, how has that senior year been in comparison to kind of where you're at now? Has your mentality kind of reached that same point or are you above and beyond that break mentality? Um, it's funny because it's almost like, I'm gonna say history is repeating itself, but it feels honestly very similar to that college season I had at Michigan where, you know, had a good cross country season, ran well during indoors and, you know, focused on the mile and stuff and like, you know, found an, newfound speed and turnover and then like things just like really clicked outdoors along with that came this confidence and winning races you know in the 5k and the steeple and the 15 and here I am now you know I guess five years later from that college season it's almost mirroring the exact thing where you know had a really good fall with strength work and beach limo and cross country and you know had a great winter season training with Nick and the very nice crew and like you know, just worked on some new things. And all of a sudden we come to outdoor here and things start clicking in races and you get this confidence. And um, yeah, like oddly enough, it almost feels like, you know, I'm going to Eugene again, right? Which is where I won the NCAA does, championship. Does that mean you're going to, does, does this mean you're going to win the trials? I, I, mean, I don't want to preempt it, right? I, not, not going wood, but like it mentally, I'm in the same spot where I, I know I'm going there to win. Like yeah. Yeah, cool. physically you're a totally different runner now because you actually have speed now. You used to be slow and gangly. You've actually got coordination <laughs> and you can sprint like anything now. That didn't used to exist. Yeah, maybe I uncovered the speed, right? And you know, we've got to thank Ron for that and working on my elbows. Uh you know, that's <laughs> You got here to come down to Ferry Field and mic it up. You know, half the words out of his mouth would be bend your elbows. So you actually have some glutes now, Mason. The other half you'll have to mute <laughs> denser. But um, yeah, Dave, I'm really, I appreciate you saying that race, you know, it's just, that was like a launching point for my career and, you know, decided to get professional running to go after that. And now it's coming to the Olympics and, you know, hopefully make the team. And it's kind of just another springboard into another like era, of, you know, running career. Yeah. And then Mitchell, we're just going to transition to, you're seeing all these guys roll through with some big time PRs and things like that. So I think, Nick, no, no offense to you, but everyone in the group is PR'd. Nick, have you PR'd at all this year? 
I call them age PRs. So uh, yeah, I just train an age Great. PR this year. Every yeah. year is a new year for PRs. Yeah, so I don't get upset now watching guys like Josh run three thirty one because I don't consider myself a competitor with him. I'm I'm competing against um what's who's what's his name the the age guy I've forgotten. Well, Nick, you're actually the only one in the group that set a world record for the That's number true. of four miles, so he's got that over us. Longevity versus. Uh, yeah, see, everyone else in this call is going to be forgotten about in five years, where you know your legacy will live long. Um, but with with you, Mitchell, you ran one forty seven. And you grabbed a new PR after four years. Do you think you kind of caught fire with the group of the guys? Because, you know, like once one person catches fire, everyone catches fire? Or has this just been something in the works? I mean, I think it's probably a combination of both. The energy is absolutely infectious here. It's like, you know, you step on the track and you're seeing these guys just run incredible workouts and then, you know, tear up the track in races and that kind of energy. I, I remember after Hodge ran 334, Mason ran 335, we were just like Bouncy. <laughs> fired up and like stayed up well past midnight. None well, of us could sleep. Well past our bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually Mason and I were talking about how we felt hungover the next day. Oh, it's like terrible. Didn't, yeah. You know, it's not like we really did anything besides just like- We had milkshakes. Milkshakes and pizza. But. Yeah. But um, I mean, for me personally, the the group has been just like a really consistent source of support and um, just like camaraderie, and that's been great. Uh, you know, I started working with Rowan back in like the winter of 2017, um, and then you know, through a mix of like stepping away to focus on some career stuff. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really running as much in 2018, 2019. Um, but then, uh, you know, when <clears throat> Nick and Mason started gearing up for this year, I was like, well, you know, I, I might as well give it a run myself too. And uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been so, the pandemic as well, right? Like that's brought us all closer together because it's our main social outlet. There haven't been those other opportunities. Yeah, I think, you know, I see you guys, especially, I mean, it's similar to us. It's like a kind of college feel where everyone, everyone gets along with each other. Everyone wants to be with like running with each other. And, and there's definitely a snowball effect there. So I, yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to see. I mean, so, so Hobbs, back to you, like these, the best part about our sport is like, there's no flukes. Like there's no, like, if you go and run 334, you are a 334 guy on that day. And, and you have that ability, your body can get around 1500 meters and 334 and that can, never be taken off you and so the issue with this sport is it's it's very short lasting so like everyone's going to be like what what are you going to do next it's like well i mean i've just absolutely crushed the high school record i've beaten all all the college kids already before even getting there but kind of do you have stepping stone goals for the next you know couple of years in your career or are you just kind of living in that moment right now i would say i'm just living in the moment and uh, I don't really know what the next few years is really going to look like for me. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but I, I think it's important for me to like have perspective that I won't, uh, I'm 18 and I won't, there'll be years where I don't run 334 and I'll, I'll run faster and I'll, I'll take dips and stuff, but uh, I've, I'm, I'm very confident in my running and like, I know I can do better and I'll continue to improve. But again, yeah. there, there will be bumps and stuff and I, I'm, I'm prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, like when we, when you look back on that race, you were celebrating a good 50 meters, you know, before the, uh, the finish line. So you definitely got a few seconds in there, but I actually prompted Josh. I was typing away, um, over here trying to get him to ask questions. You know, you're 18, you're in high school. you got a girlfriend? What's your, what's your long-term relationship plan? Like you looking for love is your Tinder profile say fastest high school ever in a race. You know, you don't want to, you know, you want to make sure you add some things there that separate, you know, relationship and running, but what, what's your love life like, man? I'm always the romantic guy. I, I've probably gotten like 400 DMs in, in the past three months. And I, I would say like, like three of them have been from girls. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right. You know, if, if, if that's what you said, I had good eyebrows and like, that's a big call. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be hanging on to that for like the next 10 years, whenever I yeah. feel sad, because yeah. I'm going to be like, that would be like someone took the time the other day to say I get eyebrows like uh but no it 
I don't, I don't think running's a sport where I'm going to get that much clout. Uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll just have to get good game. Well, too bad it's like a pandemic. You're not in school. You, you strutting school. down those high school hallways, the I, king of skyline. I, actually, I did. We, I've had online school all year, but I went back uh, for like a senior thing the other day. And like, I was like a hero <laughs> for my last day of school. And it was, it was awesome. Like everyone was like, oh, it would exactly. Yeah. It, it was, I was like, what a way to go out. Like I was like walking home, like with like an ear to ear grin. I'm like, I'm the man. <laughs> you need to go to college dog. I think you love college. <laughs> um, it doesn't so, have a Scottish accent. Sorry, Josh. Well, you know, that does help things. You could just put it on though. No one knows who you are when you turn up to college. So you can be whoever you want to be, mate. I don't know what kind of accent Dave had when he uh, when he first turned up to I had a list. Western Oregon, was it? Yeah, <laughs> I had a list, but got a lot of women. You know, it's uh, one of those things that people appreciate. No, I didn't actually have a list, but um, I, I tried really hard to get girls. Didn't work. So if you need help how to not get girls, I can also give you that information. Um, but we're going to go back now, Mason. Um, you know, coming back to you in as much detail as you're comfortable with, you know, your post-collegiate career has been something viewed as of a conundrum. You know, you came out of college, you signed with Nike, your Nike ties um, ended, but now you're on a hot streak again. And like the entire world got to see you outkick Paul Chalimo in a cross country race. You know, then you come back with all these standards in the trials and then you hit the Olympic standard. Now you're leading in as a favorite. So how has this journey been? Because a lot of Josh and I's conversations with pros or people with, complete contracts or that are like newer in their careers and not that you're you're old by any means um but you've definitely gone through a rougher patch than most professional athletes that i both aspire and am inspired of because you know that that's something that i think is very real and is is very unheard of or at least untalked about is the real tribulations that go with contracts and and you know clauses and and coming back from races and so that was a long-winded answer and again yeah whatever whatever you, f- you feel fit with that yeah i think there's a lot a couple of things there um you know one is i mean you guys know right distance running is incredibly fickle when you're not on your game it's really hard to get any momentum going and unfortunately those years i'd say which are like 2017 8 and 18 particularly were years where just you know training was going okay not stellar right you didn't, i didn't have quite that you know, exponential trajectory that I felt like I was having in college going, you know, from junior to senior year. And part of that's like the removal of the structure. So it's, you know, I cut any pro now slack, especially a college kid coming out in those first year or two, because it is totally different. You know, the, the races and distances might be the same, but the structure of the group, you know, traveling to meets, realizing that you don't run cross country, indoor, outdoor now, you pretty much have an outdoor season only. And like, you know, this political game and you have to organize your travel. Like it is difficult to find kind of the same like traction in the sporting world as you might be having with a college athlete. And so unfortunately it was just kind of like those first two years were terribly timed injuries and none of them were super major, just like an Achilles tweak that maybe would force me to take a couple weeks off and then spend another four to six weeks trying to battle like half running, half training, you know, and really that doesn't cut it, you know, unless you're, especially, you know, distance running events, like you got to string together just multiple weeks of healthy, consistent training to get anywhere. And um, so, you know, 2017 popped my Achilles doing the hill workouts in the cold, like, you know, I think it was March or April, right. And just couldn't get healthy for the U S champs. And literally the same thing happened in 2018. I fell on a run, just tripped on a route in Ann Arbor and twisted my knee. And I was like, you know, three weeks out minimum, you know, aqua jogging, but just poor timing. You know, I always thought there was like a little bit there. No one sees what you do in November and January, right? Unfortunately, it's in June when USA Champs comes around and the season really kicks off. And just like, I always felt like I was just chasing, trying to be fit. And uh, so, you know, maybe there was some glimmers of some good moments in there. Like I made the world cross team uh, for USA in 2019. And like, I was pumped about that. You know, it was the first world team I made as, you know, a pro athlete as a senior, but contract world's tough, man. Like I wasn't the only one that got cut after 2019. I had an option here for 2020. Um, and you know, I won't disparage Nike at all. Like 
it's a business. They, you know, they run their sports marketing business like an ROI and they're looking at the athletes and they have in each event. And, you know, I was fifth at the U S champs in 2019, but one through four, the guys ahead of me were all Nike sponsored athletes. So, you know, you kind of look at that and you're like, well, if we're trying to just maximize exposure and eyeballs on products, why are we still sponsoring the fifth place guy? And, you know, I know that I'm better than fifth or that my goals are better than fifth place, but a company that's what they see on paper. And so, um, you know, it was kind of tough to hear that call that like, Hey, we're not going to resign you going into 2020, especially at that time, it was an Olympic year, right? This was like December. I mean, like, wow, shoot, like, you know, kind of feel like you got kicked out to the curb, but that was kind of the point when I started rallying around like the very nice track club and Ron and getting more connected. Cause at that point I was training with my coach or Michigan coach, Kevin Sullivan, um, and was kind of separate from Ron. I'd say I was running with Nick and we'd overlap a lot in the off season, but not under Ron's tutelage. So, um, honestly, maybe it was a blessing, right? Like I got more connected with the group and with Ron and Ron's taking full reins now, but uh, it also put things in perspective. Like I don't do the, I didn't race for sponsorships or hit bonuses. Like I race to get better. And when I get better and running as best as I can, then the contracts and whatever will fall into place. I think that's the best way to come back from that. And I think you've obviously turned that into a very positive thing. So that's just kind of awesome to see from, from our end as well. Just kind of all the athletes that maybe didn't, you know, didn't get re-signed. It's, it, it would be a bit of a shame to see people kind of fall off, especially with the talent that you have. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that yeah. turnaround is, is, is awesome, but back to you, okay. Nick, I think, you know, it's, you have a, you have a sub four streak um, longer than Lynn Halls has been alive. Um, so I feel like you might bring a little bit of experience to this team, I guess. How, how do you feel like your role is in this team um, as well as, you know, tr- you know, going, going, trying to make your own Olympic team and, 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 you know, your own goals, but are you seeing yourself more as like, it's time to, you know, show that experience and tell these guys, you know, you know, help them in some of the decisions that are the harder decisions that need to be made. Maybe up until about two months ago, I probably played more of that role where I was more of the mentor and like trying to instill stuff. But now they've taken it and they've already crossed that threshold and now got experience and doing their own thing. And so now I'm just, I'm trying to hang on to them in workouts and I'm the one that gets the most nervous at meets and races and all of that sort of stuff. So maybe it gives some humility to them that it's, it's, it shows some vulnerability that there wasn't, that they know that it's possible to like, you can be at the top of your game and then to be still be as nervous as anything when you're 38. So hopefully my example is that and this is what I try and tell a lot of people don't panic for like the immediate, like sure. It's great if it works out, but if it doesn't like you've got many, many, many years to smooth out that curve. If you're looking at the stock market, don't panic when there's a daily fluctuation, right. Or even a yearly, like it's about the growth over that 20 year period over the stock market. If you zoom out from that graph, you don't even notice those blips. And I think that's the way that we should look at our running careers as well. And, you'll um you'll weather those storms a lot better and enjoy those highs a lot more as well so hopefully just me hanging out i think the best thing that i bring to the club now is the fact that i'm married with kids because these guys love having my kids around and sierra at the track and like hobbs plays with my three-year-old and my seven-year-old way more than he hangs out with us because he's closer (laughs) to their age you know he talks pokemon cards and all of that and all of the books and the shows that they watch and stuff so um yeah i think just having the willis family there is a good healthy presence for the group i'll say i'll piggyback so, on that like and i'll say that nick's like biggest asset in terms of how he operates is that he actually has a lot of stuff going on outside of just being a pro runner like you know he's got his family now and you know now he's working for tracksmith and i think that works really well with their group because we don't see our group as just a pro running super intense producing results type of group. We're like, you know, Mitch is in a PhD program. I went back to school, you know, like we've all done other things outside of just showing up on tracks and working out that Nick kind of was maybe the first one and kind of showed us that, Hey, be a person outside of the track, like have balance, love other things in your life and don't hang your hat just on the performance hook because like, there will be years of times when you're really disappointed. And I, I think, I think, like you said, having his family there kind of 
creates that atmosphere um, when we're working out. It, you don't have to be serious when we're working, like get the work done, but it, it, at the end of the day, we're all there because we, like, we love running, we love racing, and we want to be successful at it. So just being playful, and I would say that's a big part of our group. And, and also, like, Nick kind of rubbing off of me. Like, last summer, I, I would, didn't really work out with these guys, but I just came and, and watched them and see how they, are, how they approach running and their attitudes and stuff. Uh, and just kind of like the mechanics of, of how they of how they work out. And that's something I've really absorbed and, and taken from them uh, that I think will and, stick with me. And none of these guys argue with Ron, but I've argued with Ron my whole career. So like Ron needs a punching bag and I can be that person for him. <laughs> he likes someone to challenge him. And so I can be that person. I, I think there's an interview that came out or something that like you guys don't train like a professional track group. Like you talk about the fun, you talk about all the things that are there in life. And so it's just cool to see a group that's not structured like the normal group. It's not like we have eight guys, eight girls, a pro coach, physio, duh, 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 duh. we're this structured, we're sponsored by this company. You know, it's like you guys bring realism to the sport. And that's really what track and field is, is, is the realest sport there is. It's one of the most vulnerable sports. You're out there, you're in the shortest shorts possible. You know, everyone sees you, you're exposed. And so it's like to see a real group also produce real results. I think it's very healthy for the sport that like, Hey, you don't have to be this. You don't have to be that. Like literally you can be who you are and be successful in the sport. You can go to your master's, you can get your doctorate. You can be 18 in high school, looking for prom dates, getting rejected. You know, you can be anything that you want to be in it. And so I think it's super cool. And I think Josh, you have a good question lined up for Hobbs. Um, when you talk about the the season and where it's yeah. in which we are right now. So I think, you know, I actually got asked this question today, which is quite funny. I was, I was on another podcast, Don't Tell Dave. And um, they Here asked, he is. He ran 331. We haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they asked for me to describe people, like random people with like five words or something. And, and, and Hobbs, your name came up. And I had to do a bit of explaining. And, and this is, I would love a bit of context with this. So like for me, like I would see what you've done. Um, and I would say that for a lot of people, it's vulture season right now. And, and for NCAA coaches, you know, for agent sponsors, like I, what I said was, I think the circle that you had around you before the race in Portland needs to be the exact same when you make your decisions for your next stage. Because when people look at you right now, they're going to see dollar signs. They're going to see like, okay, this guy is going to make us money. This guy is, is really hot right now. We want to sign him. We want to do this. You know, I'm not sure if your guys are all sitting in Hobbs's house that was bought by the NAU head coach's track. You know what I mean? You never know. Um, but I know he's got a couple of cars outside and, you know, you never, you never know. But, you know, how is, how is that kind of, from my point of view, like I see it as like, I worry about, athletes who are in positions like like yourself where you're in such an amazing position and people are just going to want are going to want you and people are going to you know come in and the people that you've never known before come in and try and like make all these decisions for you so you know like i'm sure you're aware of that and i'm sure with with these guys around you it's very very easy to kind of you know keep that circle tight but that was just kind of what I wanted to know what that kind of process has been like, or if there's anything that's been happening recently that's, you know, any examples of that. Yeah. Can I say yeah. one thing first, Hobbs? Um, I will say that I think from what I've seen in the past 25 years of agents or people trying to like swoop in, often they try and go to the most vulnerable angle and then that's their, their, their point in. But I think that they know that, Hobbs has a good circle of people around him and so there's there's not that opportunity to sort of manipulate or take advantage of a situation so I, I don't know what exactly he's been hearing but I don't think that he's been approached in the same way that other athletes who don't have people who are knowledgeable in these areas um, would have otherwise that's great to hear uh yeah I I I after I saw that time like I kind of knew this was coming and like, I'm not gonna lie, it, it's pretty scary, but uh, it, I, I have this group around me. Uh, um, everyone's really established kind of in this industry, especially Ron and Nick. Uh, and then some other guys I can use as resources like, like Kevin Sullivan and, and those guys, like just people who, who've kind of been around. So having, having those people as, as my protectors, uh, it has 
puts me a little bit at, at ease. And uh, like, I know like Ron's kind of been ignoring agents for the past week and like leaving, letting his phone ring. Uh, so, so it, it, it's definitely scary, but I, I'm, I kind of rest easy knowing, knowing I'm, I have like this kind of circle of guards looking out for me and, and a, a big crew of people that really want the best for me. I know Mike Smith at NAU really is, is a really humble person. And he, he just, I was talking the other day, like just trying to figure everything out. And he wants what's best for me. Ron wants what's best for me. All these guys do. So it, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. a weird spot. And I didn't really expect to be here. I was just kind of running and I kept running faster and faster. Right. Uh, and it kind of came. You know, and, and that's that's the pure thing about it. And that's similar to what Mason touched on earlier is that, you know, like he was just racing to get better and he was racing, to, you know, to to just enjoy the sport. What's the conversation been from Danny Mackey about Hobbs's run? Well, on other terms, do you want to sign with the Brooks Beast? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I wasn't at the I wasn't at the meet, Dave. You were at the meet. Um, it was just it was one of those things where like for for me, when I was watching it, I was watching Henry. I was like, come on, Henry, like get it. And then like later on, like I was I was looking at Twitter and I was like, wait, let's let's go back here for a second. Like, what the heck is going on kind of thing? And and uh, yeah, it was uh, I think I think Danny was was trying to focus on our guys, but was pretty distracted by you there, Hobbs, I will say. Ron talked to him for a bit. He probably talked to him for like 25 minutes or so. That's uh, great. Ron was holding court with every yeah, coach out yeah. there, shaking hands. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just doing okay. deals out there. <laughs> you guys got to give Hobbs like the 10-second Brooks Beast pitch, you know, to join, join your team. Oh, I, I can do that. I'll, Don't I'll you want to run that. through 31? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> That was a very nice one, by the way. We are yeah, that was I paid to watch that and that was well worth the six bucks. It was awesome. <laughs> I, mean, no, we, I, I take my job as or my uh, my visa as an entertainer very, very uh <laughs> no, it was it was it was fun. And uh yeah, I think you know for from from a Brooks B standpoint, you know, we have uh we'll wait till after the trials actually, because I think we're gonna have a very good showing. And I think each each team um as you move towards the trials it's it, or moving in lots of different directions and you can see the beasts are moving in a very positive direction danny's had this kind of date circled in his calendar for a long time so we needed to make sure that that uh, we were going to be on in the right day so i think that's what what kind of separates the 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 great the, the great track teams and, and the kind of the good track teams is the ones that can peak at the right times and i'm sure nick will know that more than anyone else with with all of his olympic experience and you know, there's only a couple of days that matter this year and it doesn't matter if you've ran, you know, 330 or 335, whatever it is, if you don't get it right on the right days, then uh, and you're not going to have the year that you, you hope and dream to have at one point in your career. So, yeah, I think uh, that's that's the way that our team's moving. And uh, we had a great, great meet at, at uh, Portland Track Festival, a good meet at Stumptown and, and it's all kind of trending towards something great for the trials. So, I mean, I'm going to be a spectator for the US trials as well. So, I got to do my job over in the UK, but I'll just be a supporter over there. So I'll be watching. I'll be watching Dave with like a hawk. You can come and hang out with me in the Tracksmith Hospitality House. Oh, I'm not actually going to go, sadly, because oh. I have the, the, my trials are on the 25th and 26th. But I would I was going to go. I thought it would have been a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's a shame. I have to I guess I have to go back home and do my job first. Yeah, and I'm just prepping for our next uh, segment, you guys. You know, we have the very famous banter bowl at the end, but we're going to do a little very nice short answer spit where we're going to, you know, we've gone gone into longer lengthy discussions on some of the responses that you guys have um, given us. So now we want to kind of shoot you guys with some short answers or short questions for some short answers. Um, and we're going to go ahead and start. What is more impressive? Um, and this can be open to anyone. There's going to be some that are directed to specific people, and then there's going to be just some blanket ones. So this is kind of a blanket one anyone can answer. What's more impressive, the Ann Harbor soil records with Jesse Owens and Kevin Sullivan or Josh's U.S. soil record? <laughs> Who did that one? <laughs> these are not written by us, by the way, if that makes a difference. Yeah, these are all fans sitting here it. waiting for you guys to. Well, what, which records were done on Super Shoes? Oh. <laughs> Cinder track. I'll take Owens. <laughs> we got, got a plaque. Until you get a plaque memorialized Actually, at the track for your performance I, i'm gonna take jesse on i don't see josh I, I would i would love a josh 
curb plaque at, at Ferry Field. Yeah. I've used it every day before my workouts. <laughs> I'll take All that. Ollie running 337 on Ferry Field is pretty impressive on a windy day. <laughs> well, especially uh, like a few years ago, like people were out there with like lasers, like doing some construction stuff. And like, it turns out like one side of it's like, Ron's, I don't know if this is true, but he says one side's a foot taller than like one stretch straight is, is like a foot higher than the other. Which, so you guys are doing hill reps on your tracks? Yeah. When you Why do you doing hills? It's really just running. Yeah. Why do you think I always run my three hundreds bend straight bend? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it up and that down. <laughs> um, what's with the donuts and chocolate milk? Uh, uh, the best um, little store around the corner from the track is called Washington Dairy, and Ron goes there every single day and has about six coffees, and then he brings <laughs> down. When it was on the Michigan, when he was the Michigan coach, he'd bring down like two dozen donuts for the team after all of the hard workouts and long runs. And he's kept that tradition going. It's it's really just a welcoming gesture to anyone down at the track who wants to be there. And we'll meet people that, who are randomly jogging around the track and Ron will correct their running form and then say, hey, I have a donut. And it sort of brings people into the fold. I like it. And that's like, he'll, he does that at, to my high school practices. After a, a big workout or a long run, he'll have donuts. Uh, that's just his thing. Uh, just, just from like a random van, he's just like, "Hey, yeah. kids, like, you want some donuts?" <laughs> I swear, sometimes like, like he'll like be giving me a donut. I'm like, I swear that was this, like, this is the one from last time. <laughs> it's just so Hobbs. What's your what's your curfew in bedtime? I go to bed very early. I, pro I probably I'm probably in bed at at, at ten. So after after this race, I was really I was really pushing my bedtime. <laughs> So this is going to be another uh, Michigan exclusive. So you guys might need to add some uh, explanation here. So of the Ann Harbor Hill reps, who matches each hill? Arb, Harvard, and Ridgeway. Like personality type? Personality type. Who matches with their personality types to Arb, I'm, Harvard, and I'm Ridgeway? I'm the Arb for sure. Yeah. I'm, I, I can crush the strength. I love the arb hill the ridge the harvard is way too steep for me so that's i'll take the ridgeways and mitch can do the harvard hobbs doesn't get to be on any hills. he sandbags the hills i'll take the track i get the track yeah <laughs> so you you get the answer that wasn't actually included in any of the responses that's good that's good yeah yeah um and then we're we're gonna go i guess like each of you guys could probably answer this um, in you know a very PG format because what is the most absurd thing Ronnie has ever said at practice? Okay, that we're gonna stop it. We're gonna stop it there because we're trying to keep him keep him out of jail here. Out of, uh, actually, we just did safe sport today. Um, I helped I helped him fill it out. So while while we're good and and he's uh he hasn't been canceled, we'll say his his most famous thing is is rectal cranial inversion uh, is his favorite thing but sometimes sometimes he'll he, he used to have a picture of that it was a cartoon picture <laughs> yeah, of someone coming around and going back up their butt on the <laughs> on his, that was on his office door at michigan when he was the coach of michigan yeah. <laughs> yeah you want to keep going yeah i can just keep ripping through them um so this is a josh and mason question um josh has Josh ever weighed less than Mason, even though Mason is notably taller and more handsome? Oh, no handsome was added into that comment. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, nice. Uh, I'm I, like around a buck 50. Yeah, that's, I've, I think I came out at 155. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a 165 to 170 guy. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll probably say that I've, I've definitely been, been yeah. on there, you know? Uh, how do you, as a high school athlete, balance track and other obligations that have such, what's that word, Dave? J-R-O-T-C or family. I don't know what, what that means. I don't know what that means either. But I, I, terrible I, question. I really haven't done any school in the past semester. <laughs> I, I can't, we Off the record. <laughs> we have, we have online, we have online what you'll find is the faster you get, the less school you have to do, mate. I'm joking. I, I hope, <laughs> That's, he's not that. joking. But I've been, I've been through depends what school things. you go to. <laughs> Me? No. I said it depends what school you go oh, to. Yeah. I don't yeah. think any of you will. It's no Stanford. 
It's no New Mexico. It's no Western Oregon for sure. It's no Michigan even. Yeah. Um, so you guys might have, have seen our um, bit of a blow up yesterday with our meme. We do a meme Monday. Nick, memes are like little funny things, you know, photos. Um, <laughs> but we, we do this thing, uh, meme Monday, and we had a little bit of a blow up. So maybe you guys can answer this for us. They submitted, why do some professional runners take banter so serious? Because we're too nice. Everyone's like, takes everything really personally because you know everyone else on the circuit. So any banter feels like, you know, it's not, it's not for a show because there's no show, right? It's you're performing for your other competitors and your like parents, right? So banter, yeah. like it's just, yeah. it's personal. I want to come probably because you're bullied when you were a kid and you haven't gotten over that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come clean. Like, I feel like the way that Central replied to that was like, I sat there and made this meme. We get submitted memes and we post. We don't make these ones. memes. So we didn't make it, but it did. It Yeah. People were getting real angry. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's so funny. I think, um, I mean, it was great for us. I mean, when Central and uh, when Central and Angles both put stuff on their story, I think we gained some good followers there. So I think we were the real winners. But uh, you know, the, the Sin Kick podcast was definitely creating some uh, some some real banter between between maybe friends, maybe not friends. We'll have to see when it comes to the trials. Um, so the next one is, if given the opportunity, would Hobbs donate some of his speed to us lower class runners? I, I will trade you speed for for great point average. For great point average or, or hill hill strength or something. What's the conversion? Uh, <laughs> Maybe girlfriends too. Yeah, speed for girlfriends. <laughs> what does a three thirty four? Yeah, what's the conversion rate for a three thirty four to a GPA? You got to think it's three point three four, right? Well, Josh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's. that's what I have. <laughs> well, he's the smartest kid in high school now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fulbright scholarship or something. <laughs> All right. And then the last quick answer, we'll go back to you, Hobbs. Does Hobbs actually jump into the river on the runs, like he said, or is he a liar? I don't. So he is a liar. Oh, okay. All my teammates do. All my teammates do. But but I, I decided to stop because in the past year, two runners I know have cut their feet in the river. Like one one girl cut her tendon. She was out. And and it's also radioactive. But I'll go Was in. it off of the railway bridge? Uh, it was like over a gallop somewhere. That they were walking, and then another one cut his foot on the on the railway bridge. One of them was. Okay, I thought it was gonna be because you know you're too cool now, but it's actually no, for safety I reasons. I hang out, but I'm scared of the hero. Hey, that that's that's totally fair. It's um, snapping photos. I'm scared of them. And sewage. And the way the highway like works, like there's in the past year, two semi trucks have like chipped oh, over yeah. on the bridge on the river and all the gas has gone in the river twice sounds like a nice river i don't know why you're not getting in it sounds questionable have you guys been drinking this and you know using it as like a performance you know like drinking uh michigan sewer water it must be something yeah <laughs> and so this part of uh, of the uh banner bowl we changed it to the the very not nice banner bowl um just because some people were some people get jealous some people want to ask the difficult questions you know the ones that you know we might not want to hear um but you know i'll start off with uh, well, we kind of covered this before is like hobbs always sandbags the hill so he looks more impressive when it gets to the track 100 yeah, it's, it's not even so you need to explain yourself you need to explain yourself Hobbs. we've got a lot of hill warriors they got the jump on me no yeah. no I, I have a quote i have a quote and they, they've all made fun of me i don't remember exactly what it was but no, they, it is exactly then <laughs> the important thing about the hills is just getting to the top it's like you just gotta get to the top because you'll still get the benefit and then and all ronnie cares about is the last rep the last big rep that's all he cares about. And you just got to get to the top of the hill. I, I plead guilty, but I'm justified. It's legal. We need to put that on a shirt. All you need to do is get to the top of the hill. Yeah. That's all it is. The thing about hills is you just got to get to the top. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need to put on your merch. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. And, and Mason, you're kind of in the hot seat as well. Um, so it seems as though, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the banter bowl is something that's kind of, to rile up conversation. And for those listening now for the first time, the banter bowl is an exclusive thing on our podcast where we ask the difficult questions, kind of let you guys see another side of the runner that doesn't have to get often get to be seen. So for you, Mason, you can't let anyone run next to you on a tempo, you know, that's true. That's true. So, so if you get, so if anyone keeps, uh, well, you know, if anyone gets close to you, you just keep pushing. So 
No one's What's with that? Money. That's actually part of the question. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I just, what do you really want to say? You're too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I did a tattoo attempt with Ron and Nick, we were supposed to like do this loop in nine minutes. And we took off and we were going like my cross country pace. They, they just kept going and we ran it in 8.30. They did. I got, I ran it in nine minutes. But he's, yeah, especially when Mason, there's someone faster than Mason. I love I love tempo. It's my bread and butter. So I like that he calls an eight a four mile tempo on a hilly course an eighteen forty a tempo run. Nah, it wasn't very breathing. Ronnie calls it a warm up. <laughs> yeah, that's a warm up for the real one. Yeah. 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 I uh this is this is not even on our script, but I wanted to like bring a highlight to like the Michigan. Is there a lot of amp and like talk that goes into the Michigan? Like when you guys are ready to do the Michigan, is this something that's like, oh, I'm doing the Michigan on this day? Like, is that something that you guys mentally yeah, physically yeah. prepare for? It's like a big emotional buildup and like Michigan. It's a big day. Yeah. And like, you like, you like come there to smash the Michigan. Like, yeah. Josh, are you familiar with the Michigan? Yeah. I've watched a couple of the workouts. I mean, I've been kind of intrigued by the workout, but you obviously can't do it anywhere else. So it's like, it's very interesting to watch, but I've never yeah, been to Michigan. You can replicate it. There you are think? some good tracks. Well, I mean, we're, yeah. Bob and I are doing one on Thursday, actually. A, a, a modified, modified Michigan. Modified. That's what's so beautiful about it. They'll piss off the purists, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm technically in Michigan on Thursday. We're finishing with the 1200. I see. And so, uh, Hobbs, do you uh, do you ask your parents to chaperone the prom? There, uh, I would, I would. That would be so bad if they did, because uh, I, would, I would get so much shit. Whatever I did, they, they. they I would hear about it. Yeah, we just wanted we, we we just wanted to know, you know, because you brought in all your parents onto the podcast today to kind of watch over you, you know, your your guardians to uh make sure you didn't say anything ridiculous. So no, uh, but since you brought his parents up, I wanted to bring up this earlier. Like that they're, they're the unsung heroes and like Hobbs's awesome story, not just for his performances, but like how he's handled all of this. And so many parents would get way over the top with the esc like someone suddenly finding the stardom or whatever and they would almost ride that ride the coattails of it but they're completely getting out of the way as they're excited for it but they know that ron's someone to trust so they'll stay out of the way hobbs's dad is the head coach of his team yet he doesn't want to coach his own son mm. and he's always in the behind the scenes asking me for advice and other people um not for what he can tell hobbs but like what he should ask ron or someone else so he wants Hobbs to make his own path. And I think that's really, really admirable. And I have a huge amount of respect and it, it actually shapes how I want to be a parent for my sons growing up as well. It's very cool. cool. So I'm you're telling I'm me that, it, that he doesn't act like uh, the Ingebrigtsen's dad and getting their lactate and, you know, shouting at them and telling them not to go on holiday or anything like that. That's no, but he, run, he runs with us on occasion, not when Hobbs is there, but, and he'll like start dry heaving five miles into a run because he's out of shape. <laughs> no, he's gonna be mad for saying this but he tried he tried to do like a hill with mason the other day and his back went out for like, oh, <laughs> like four days but he he's infamous for uh one time at climbing practice a few years ago everyone was trying to do a one-arm pull-up and he coles he just went over and did it from like a limp shoulder did a one-arm pull-up and then his back was out for a while but it, it was like the proudest i've ever been of him it's just a full <laughs> one-arm pull-up that was 50 years old <laughs> Nice. Love to hear it. Nick, I really thought you were about to throw in some banter on the parents, you know, because I thought you're like, you know, now that we're talking about his parents, and uh, I was like, oh, wow, we're going to, you know, get a little bit more personal with the banter. I'm the boring old guy that says the sentimental stuff, but it's important. <laughs> I was going to say, Nick, you didn't have to say that. They're not actually standing here listening. Yeah. Yeah. At least you didn't I want everyone else to know, yet. like, there's a lot of other parents that listen to this, and I know there's a lot of parents of teenage prodigies who get in the way, and they shouldn't. It, it is interesting to think like how many parents have like sacrificed a lot and kind of like really hurt the relationship with their kids to be in the position that I'm in now with my folks and they're, they're happy. I'm doing well and it's exciting, but it, their ego is not involved in it at all. They're just trying to uh, like help me uh, guide me through like this path, I guess. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome. And I know Nick was saying that just to cover, cover himself for this next question. And so, Nick, uh, you know, you were, you were, you know, announcing my boy, David Ribich's 5K. You come out and you say, no one can come close to Lopez on the final lap. You know, were you sitting there sweating when Dave was coming out, coming on the shoulder? You know, the, you know, he may have proved you wrong. You know, he, were you sweating at any points? 
Well, I was more sweating because of the video that was shown the other day when Dave had a terrible race and I went to say good job and he was like, didn't want a piece of me at all. And so I was <laughs> glad that he actually had a good race to make up for that one back at San Running. Yeah. But no, well, I, you got to remember, I was in the race that Lopez miscounted the laps and he sprinted like a 55 on the penultimate lap. And then he was told to still run another one and he ran 13.06. So after seeing that, I was like, man, that guy can do anything. Yeah, it was pretty crazy and Dave didn't pull it together. So I understand what you're talking about. You covered you covered your basis there. And I actually remember that, um, Nick, because it was at a um, March 6th race and just came off of a pretty bad 15. I'm sitting there and Nick comes over to say good job. And then as I see Nick walk away, I didn't think I even said anything back or maybe I little made a little grunt. But then I just see a camera following Nick. I'm like, shit. That's going to be somewhere. And I'm going to look like that little guy that's like, I had a bad race. My life is over. And Nick's like, hey, good job. Good job. So I'm like, was it Nick, you know, just being really nice on camera? Did he actually mean the good job? But am I just pouting? I don't know. So I'm I'm happy I've never seen that video, nor will I probably try to find it. I'm going to send it to you tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a a pretty good way to, to end this podcast. I think, you know, we've had a lot of fun. This ended up being um, probably a very educational podcast for everyone because we have obviously listeners that are in high school all the way up to professionals and parents and all sorts. So, you know, we've kind of got all spectrums here. So that's that's awesome for us. And, and you know, a little bit more information on the Very Nice Track Club. I think you're going to probably get a lot of people wanting to come and join you at some point soon. So, you know, got to keep your circle small eh, before uh, before you, you guys Gosh, are you're forgetting be- one of the most most important parts. You open the floor for them to throw banter Mate, back at We us. haven't podcasted in so long. I can't, I can't even remember what we do for this stuff, you know, yeah, but uh, just, oh, that's fair. No, that's wait, fair, let me add so. some banter, Josh. Josh is so busy trying to be the boss when it comes to organizing, organizing packaging. And, you know, we, we just like did a big shipment of products and, and we, we sold out all of our products. We we're doing all the shipments and I had a time-lapse of everyone doing their work. I was folding really bad, but I was folding, you know, our friend Julian, who's our designer, he was also folding. You know, Julian and Josh put their girlfriends and wives to like writing the shipping labels because our handwriting's bad. You know what Josh did on the time lapse? Walk between the couch and the kitchen for 55 minutes, just back and forth. Back Mate, and there's got to be a boss somewhere. Thing. There's got to be a boss somewhere. I was I was the in between between the packaging and the and the you know writing addresses. You know, I I didn't realize you were filming, and it was a tough reality when we had to watch me not do a lot because I thought <laughs> I got away with it. But you know. It is what it is. But yeah, I think, you know, maybe I was just nervous. Maybe I was nervous for throwing it back into the ball in their court. If there's any banner that they want to kind of throw at us or any any kind of little little questions they've got for us that could, uh, you know, could be like, you know, Dave, you know, why, why are you so in love with your girlfriend all the time? You know, why do you why do you not bring her up that much on this podcast? You know, little things like that, like. They could they could put Dave in a little bit of shit, you know. So we'll we'll throw it back to you guys just to uh, make us feel like we aren't bringing people on just to bully them on a podcast. Oh, uh, okay. I I had something prepared, and I would okay. I would 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 you agree, Josh, that one of your career highlights was the NCA record? Yes. Okay. I, okay. I don't like where this is going because so, I feel really good right now. In in twenty twenty one, it's been a rough year for that. Like that that first. Sam Tanner broke it indoors, but he was in a, he was in a fast race. And he, I'll, I'll give him that one. That that was a real one, real effort, fast race. Okay. Well, then this spring, Yard and a Goose broke it in a prelim, solo, at the ACC championship. That yeah. that's pretty rough. <laughs> then a few weeks later, a high schooler came, and ran. Whole second faster. almost a whole second faster than your collegiate record at a few years younger not even in the ncaa so mm. um, that record has been through the ringer a little bit this it's, 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 it's not been great I, I have a couple of comebacks for you though okay so i was in an era hobbs where people went to school um sure. and actually turned up to you know I, i'm doing my mba right now i'm in as much school as you guys are so the new collegiate record in my eyes is, is 331 um however <laughs> you know for me, it's it was it was a thirty-seven year old record, man. Can I not keep it for at least five years? Like, come on, like this is just getting silly. So yeah, it was it was a tough year for the old uh, the the old collegiate record, but that, I definitely was in an era where people went to school. So you know, I, I, I'm going to keep that one close to my heart. When you ran it, Josh, where did it rank in the fastest ever fifteen hundreds run by collegiate athletes? 
when I ran, wait, I'm you ran that three thirty five. Where did that rank on the all time collegiate athlete list? Josh, you're not a stat guy, are you? I know it was the fastest run in season, but what about all the guys that were redshirted or in the summer? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's this really fun time where people like four or five different people think they've got the same record. And that was always fun. I'm not a big social media guy. And, and you got Cal Murbrough over here with all the followers pretending he's got the NCAA record. I'm like, all right, that's fine. You, <laughs> you can take that. It's whatever. But no, I think, you know, it's it, the NCAA record. What you'll find is it does one job for you and that's get you a contract. And then everyone forgets about it. So I got me a contract and I moved on and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Hobbs cheat. <laughs> and then you, you guys also both kind of avoided Mason and I in that 1500. I know you, you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, both yeah. had really good races. David, aren't you supposed to be a 1500 guy too? Yeah. I remember Josh being entered in the race. Yeah. So I was, um, I didn't think it was going to be fast enough and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be too fast and I was also right. So <laughs> No, it was, uh, yeah, I think I, I got a lot of heat for that. But the, the honest answer is when a 15 guy runs a 5K and has to come off that to try and run a 50, another 15 like 10 days later, it doesn't look very good. So definitely just that little bit extra rest to, uh, to be able to perform in the 15. But, you know, I enjoy watching Americans try and run fast. I think it's, it's always fun. Um, you know, they finally turned up. And it's nice to see, you know, angles turn up. And, and for some reason, Central seems to be, racing just to do workouts i don't understand what's going on there but you know i'm excited to watch us trials i got a question for you guys who would be the best steepler between you two and i would say dave as well if i'm being honest yeah and josh doesn't be honest very well so you know i'll take that one to heart <laughs> he's long dave's long he's, his legs look perfect for the steeple you know I don't look at Dave's legs a lot. I don't know why I said Dave's legs are perfect, but you know, it is what it is. I think, I think Dave could have a future in the steeple if you want to, just because he's a lot stronger than I am when it comes to like longer races and stuff. Like you had a great three K you've shown great promise in the five K. So I'm going to add some it. more banter actually on Josh. I know he's my teammate and you know, a co-host, but I kind of want to throw him through some stuff. When you is talk about shirt you're wearing Dave, what's up? Is that a women's shirt? It is a women's shirt. Yeah, they fit better around my torso. Okay. Um, is that so, a woman's suit you're wearing, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> um, when it when it comes to um, man, I think I can't remember who was talking about. I think Nick, you when you were talking about parents and, and the involvement. You know, when we me and Josh finished an 8K time trial, I look around for Josh to tell him great job, and where is he? He's FaceTiming his mom and dad. You know, just saying, guys, I won the time trial. I won the time trial. So when you talk about parents involved in careers, Josh definitely seals the deal on that for this call. Um, but we're gonna go even further. When you ask why Josh wasn't in that 1500 meters, there was a direct quote from him saying, I'm not going to drag around Americans to a fast time. They're going to have to do it themselves. You know, Josh is a, is a man of um, front running and, and pulling people along. So he, he threw some shade with that. And then I think the, the result of him dropping out or not dropping out, not starting and, and you know, pulling out of Portland Track Festival um, was well-deserved heat in, back in towards his direction. Um, but to add, he did the 800 on Sunday, came back in a 5K on a Saturday. And I kid you not, for the next week at practices, Josh only ran. He didn't do anything else. He didn't do workouts. He didn't do anything. He'd just be like, I'm just mostly gonna... on my chair. He goes, Danny, I can't work out this week at all. I'm totally wrecked. So in Josh's defense, he, he was wrecked. I don't really see Josh in a hole much, but he was in a hole. And and so both flattering you, Josh, and, and demoralizing you, it was in um, – inspiring to see a 331 after how shit your week was two weeks before that um because I, I had the worst week of training leading up to i think i ran a five mile like two days before i ran a five mile run at 755 average and i felt horrible and i was like this could go one of two ways here and so i'm glad it went the right way but you know i think i wanted to put together a little video montage of how bad i looked that week before and the actual race because you know it's it just doesn't it just doesn't you know add up sometimes but that's just that's just our sport most of the time you're going to feel terrible well that backs up my theory as well that the bigger guys get more benefit from the super shoes as well <laughs> take taking notes right now putting that down do you mean the high peer and elite twos is that what you're talking about <laughs> the bricks running lunch i could just see anyone run a 1500 the day after an olympic qualifying steeple time so that's true. I mean, that was one of the most impressive right. things on the weekend. And Mason, for some, one day, one day. Yeah. So Mason, and for some more banter, Mason. I'm. I don't know if it was a post or a video, but you said, you said the 1500 meter is easy. Oh yeah, super easy. 
It is, dude, compared to the five. Josh, this isn't your moment. Sorry, I'm just saying. I'm backing <laughs> I, them up. Look, I, I appreciate the 1500. It's got like some great yeah, traffic, chill, chill. but physically, it is the easiest event to run on track. Especially when we jog around for a bit in a championship yeah. race. Yeah. <laughs> We're just flashy. We're pretty boys. You know what I mean? We don't need to work hard. No, the cameras yeah. love us. I think All you're right. like stallions prancing around. Just show up. Just show up. <laughs> I like that. But some of us, some of us have the speed you need to run the 15. It's all right. <laughs> well, we don't want to. There's war. We don't want to keep. Uh, we don't want to keep Hobbs up past his bedtime. You know, I can see it's getting dark out. So we'll we'll slowly build this. Um, to an outro. So at the end of every episode, we let the guests name the episode. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to do a three, two, one, and whoever's going to name the episode gets to name the episode. So you ready? All right. We're going to go three, two, one. Hobbs Kessler and his three very nice rabbits. Ooh. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. Listen, a lot of NPR. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Hobbs, hopefully you're not grounded. Everyone else, thanks for coming out of your busy schedules. Nick, you're in Europe. You know, we're looking forward to watching those race results there. And so- Three o'clock in the morning here. (laughs) Perfect. Josh, any last words? Uh, Yeah. I mean, if if you're not going to go the NCAA and NCAA coaches are going to buy you houses, make sure you get them and then sign pro. (laughs) So a slow- Meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for Begin real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.